All right, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me is my co-host, the Honorable Sam Lazarus. Yellow. And in our third chair today is our friend and repeat, I don't know, repeat guest. Sure. Guest host. Right. Yeah, repeat guest Can host. we all be hosts? Yeah, do- Dr. Adam Howard, <laughs> oh, writer, you. producer. Uh, you would know his work and his face from Full Frontal with Samantha B. You would know him from his blog, Adam Has Too Many Movies to Watch, and uh, just a general dude about town. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm also not a doctor, but, <laughs> but I like dude about hey, town. I like, think that should be my like, moniker going forward. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and today we're talking about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, 1991, Nicholas Meyer... Ugly, ugly people in this movie. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, there are a couple. Yeah, I just he made Wrath of Khan also, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he did. So I had two of the best Star Trek movies, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah this so was, you you must be something of a Trekkie. If you I have like the, two favorites. Yeah, I like the movies pretty much. Mm. I think that was sort of my like entry into Star Trek stuff. Is mm. my older brother was really into it, and we used to rent the movies a lot, and they were always on television. Um, but this movie has always been somewhat special to me because I remember I have a very strong, vivid memory of seeing it in theaters. Oh, wow. Um, cool. I, had, I was too young to see the other ones. And I think this one, I was about nine when it came out. And I had seen enough of the movies to be intrigued. And speaking of people before I was saying folks dressing up, I remember being very weirded out that people were dressed up as Star Trek people. And my father had to explain to me what Trekkies were and that it was like a whole thing. And I was just very confused. I was like, why are people wearing uniforms and outfits to the movies? <laughs> Did I forget mine? Yeah, I just didn't know what that was about. I'd never experienced that before. Yeah. And then I remember thinking it was kind of scary, like especially all the stuff on the ship with the the murder and like the pink yeah. blood and everything. That really weirded me out it's, when I was well, nine. It's a scary one. Yeah. yeah. Wrath of Khan also is a little oh, scary. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, the the I noticed, and again, I remember that as well because this was yeah. the first Star Trek movie I saw in theaters as well. I guess we're probably about the same yeah, age. Yeah. And if, I, in rewatching it now, I was like, oh, so many of those shots are are with a weird aspect ratio and mm-hmm. done with like a funny angle. So there's yeah, like a yeah. real ominousness to them. Yeah, yeah. and also the prison stuff. I re- I think uh, this is like a massive overshare, but I feel like an early like sexual awakening for me was Amon in this movie. Because I definitely remember uh-huh. <laughs> as like a kid being like, I like her. But not, under- <laughs> not fully understanding mm-hmm. why, but just being like, she's cool. I would like more of her, please. And then she, of course, turns out to be a monster and stuff. But right. that's neither here nor there. For me, my first such memory is Frankenfurter. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, oh, Rocky Horror. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Bit of an overshare. Just make yeah, yeah. feel more at home. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should say like initial thoughts on this first. Does anyone have any like, I mean, Adam, I know you were, you were the one who called the movie and, and sort of, I was interested to know of the Star Trek, Star Trek, ooh, like what? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I, I was trying to think of ones. I mean, I, I guess I like to talk about stuff that has, you know, political undertones or overtones or stuff that deals with race and, and culture and all that. And I, for some reason, as I was trying to think of sci-fi movies that dip a toe in those waters, like this one just popped in there. Uh, and 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like hitting the the nail on the head. But I mean, I think that's kind of what Star Trek does, mm-hmm. uh, or certainly like the TV show. What I've seen of it, it's it's pretty like heavy-handed, but in a way that I personally appreciate. Like, I think it's very sincere, which I think. I, I'm always moved by that when people are trying to do something positive sincerely. Um, and clearly, as I think you mentioned in your email, this film was coming on the heels of Berlin Wall coming down and folks kind of being in this new headspace of kind of getting used to a world where the Cold War wasn't a thing. And that tension of some folks not wanting to let that go and then other folks thinking this could be this exciting new chapter. And obviously in the moment we're in right now, where now we're looking at Russia as an antagonist again, um, a movie like this can feel sort of quaint and curious because it was this little window of time where we were thinking like, oh, Russia can be our friends and like how amazing could that potentially be? Um, So yeah, I think there's a, a lot there. And then obviously there's a lot of funny elements to it. Uh, The other thing I was going to mention is I had no sense of how old everybody was when I was a kid. Like (laughs) I didn't really think about them as being old. I I guess I just, I watched them forever and it was like no big thing. But as I've gotten older, I've come to realize like, Oh wow. Of course it was insane that they were in like, and it was like a big hit. Like it was like a big blockbuster movie. It made almost a hundred million dollars in 1991. I think part of it is like they kept, it's like the mafia thing. Like every time I, they think they're out, they pull us back in. Because I think, I, I know for for sure, Leonard Nimoy kept being like, "I'm not going to do another one." Oh, okay. he yeah. like produced and right. maybe wrote this one. Also, he originated the story. Yeah, okay. I think the my understanding from like special features I watched eons ago is that he was seduced into coming back under the premise that this film would deal with these like weighty political themes mm. and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I just that also is comical to me that uh, I think I remember the Simpsons made fun of it at the time, <laughs> but they were all, you know, very much on the other side of in their 60s, maybe even approaching. 70s oh, yeah. The wig situation in this movie is <laughs> yeah. out of control. I was just like between Shatner and what's his name? The oh, Walter Koenig. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Walter I mean, he has one of the most epic pieces of all time. The bald man, I can say it's a very bold choice. Yeah, I think almost every male actor in this is is getting help. I don't oh. I don't trust that that's Duhan's hair. Yeah, his fucking wig <laughs> is wearing a wig. It's, it's, like, it's just like next level. Oh, maybe um, Sulu. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. George Takei. Yeah. Like George Takei keeping man it tight. With the full yeah. Hair. yeah, he's awesome in this. I also thought that yeah. was so cool that they made him the captain and he gets to like dress down Christian Slater. That was <laughs> yeah, awesome. that's a great scene. It's such a cool random celebrity cameo. I mm-hmm. love celebrity cameos that like that. There are a lot of those in this movie. Yeah, so. they don't yeah. call too much attention to themselves. They're just kind of there. Because I remember seeing that in a theater, and again, like not understanding that Christian Slater was like a thing and this heartthrob. And I remember like literal audio audible swoons from girls <laughs> and being like what's why does this matter like i was just a very confused child when i was watching this movie that's great uh, but anyways sorry I'm i rambling. had heard that um that the reason sulu has his own ship and like the way that the reason they wrote it that way is because nobody wanted to work with george takai oh I've, that's I've true heard the opposite that it's it's more shatner shatner is the one who's one. impossible oh, it's really? possible that it goes both ways but i mean they clearly have like a terrible relation i mean george takai will mm-hmm. tell anyone who will listen yeah at this point that mm-hmm. like he hates william shatner and oh, like, so, william, yeah yeah i mean it's like william shatner didn't go to his wedding and I, it just seems like there's a lot of tension with those guys. I mean, I get it. They've been sure. working together for 50-some years. I'm <laughs> sure that they get on each other's nerves or whatever. Mm. And William Shatner seems to be 
a, a charitably at least to, to say like a very like big personality. He, he seems like a complete dickhead, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean Shatner, come on the show, prove he, that you're not a fuckface. I do think he has like a weird charisma. I don't think he's a good actor by any stretch of the imagination, but there, he does have something, and that there's a reason yeah. why like we all kind of enjoy him. Yeah, I think he's um, a good Kirk. Yeah, 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 yeah. The swagger thing, and yeah. I think it's that thing of like he has no business having that kind of swagger. Well, yeah. yeah, those scenes with so should we do a plot breakdown? Yeah, sure. And then I'm so, terrible at that, so no, you should do it. <laughs> please. Well, I'll, I'll run through it as quick as possible. I mean, essentially, the premise of the show or the premise of the movie is that a Klingon mining planet, the Klingon, the Klingon mining planet, <laughs> has exploded. Right. Yeah. And oh god, this to me, this was really one of the most bonkers things about it. We'll, we'll talk about it, but basically that their economy and their their whole way of life becomes unsustainable within 50 years. Mm. And so they have to sue for peace with the Federation with whom they've been at war for how long? I don't know. Several hundred years. Yeah, tweet at us. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that... Depends which canon you look at. Several hundred years. So. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, maybe just 100 years. Maybe it's 50. It might be four years. I'm not sure. And so, yeah, in order Six to... <laughs> In order to um, sort of make this peace arrangement, the the old gang has to get together with the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire, which obviously Chancellor is like a reference to Hitler in Germany. There, there's just like a ton of, of reference to totalitarian regimes throughout the movie associated with Klingons. I mean, you, you, you sound like you know more about this stuff than I could imagine, but <laughs> this felt like the most... Count on it. This seems like the most Klingon-y of all the Star Trek things I've ever seen. Like it's definitely like from the, the most, movies. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the most steeped in that the culture of Klingons, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it's I, I'm not an expert on oh, okay. it, but there, um, like I've been watching the latest show, mm-hmm. the Discovery, which yeah, is yeah. Um, like heavily. The Klingons are a heavy figure in that. Um, okay, and they talk about like how the war started kind of and, and all this stuff or I guess continued. I don't know. It's complicated. But anyway, the whole timeline has been changed around a bunch of times, like to the point where the way Klingons look has even been changed mm. and they've like retconned this whole whatever. There's some kind of virus or something that changed. It's like super oh, complicated. So the reason their, their skin is all like bubbly. I guess yeah. Well, also it. in the Head original butts. series, they look totally different. Yeah. Right? I, Cause I, yeah, I watched that like a lot of it with my wife on Netflix because I was like, Oh, I should watch that. It's like a big deal. Yeah. And I remember when the Klingons showed up, I knew that the makeup wouldn't be as like sophisticated as it was later, but it was like, they don't look like even a little bit. Yeah. Like, but I remember yeah. Them. yeah. No, they totally yeah. changed it for, I guess for next generation hmm. and then put it back into the movies. I guess that must be how, but again, yeah. I'm not, I'm not an expert, but yeah, like the, the, the culture has been the same throughout. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting because it's like such a narrow painting of a culture, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like the Klingons, you almost never hear, you do sometimes hear sure. like with Chang and in, in next generation, there are some episodes that are about like, the lighter aspects yeah. of Klingon culture, but it's basically just a warrior culture right, and that's right. it. Yeah. Whenever I think of Klingons, I, I imagine like somebody like very angrily and aggressively, like slamming a, a beer <laughs> mug on a table. You know, it just seems like their whole aesthetic is Yeah. Like, they're space Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good description. Yeah. Yeah. But with the like Japanese honor thing. Yeah. Cause they have like a, almost like a Bushido code. Mm. Yeah. It, I think it's probably heavily influenced. I, I that, remember yeah. that from like a wharf episode of next gen. Yeah. I'm revealing my true nerd colors here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so then 
on their way or while they're in talks with the chancellor and his sort of coterie of people, including Christopher Plummer's fucking amazing Chang with his eye patch that's bolted onto yeah. his face. <laughs> I love that. Um, basically, after their dinner together where they all quote Shakespeare and goof around. Uh, drink Romulan ale. Yeah. Yeah. Drink Romulan ale. <laughs> get too drunk. drunk. The first time I saw this movie, I didn't realize that was what was going uh, on. Okay. And then they're like, he says, no to the galley, don't serve Romulan era, right, ale. Right. And I'm like, wait, why? What happened? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, also, back, like part of the backstory is that Kirk's son has been killed by Klingons, yeah. I think, in the third movie. In the movie? third movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he's like got a big axe oh, to grind there. Oh, sorry. No, no. Um, yeah, so and and he talks about it what there's like a scene where he is talking to his personal log and he's like <laughs> I could never forgive Klingons for the death of my son. <laughs> I think he says of my boy. Well, oh, my also boy. there's this 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 great scene which again maybe you've seen the extras or whatever where he um, they're like debating. I guess he's debating with Spock, and he says like, "Let them die." Yeah, that's such a great line. And but apparently, like the whole thing was like Shatner didn't want to do that. Oh, yeah. and oh, of course not. Because he, he wanted to. There was like different alternative lines written, and I guess I don't remember what the one he delivered. But in many takes, it was something like less harsh. Yeah. And then basically, Nicholas Meyer was able to persuade him to do like one take of the version he wanted. And knowing he was never going to use the other. Uh, yeah. So he got him to say this, like, you know, it's a, if you, in the context of this film, it's like an unabashedly racist statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which I, which is why it's like compelling because it's like, whoa, like Kirk is a racist in this, at least this context. Yeah. Um, and apparent, and also there was a whole scene, which I think is not in the movie, that they shot with the character that Brock Peters plays. Because the Brock Peters character is supposed to be similarly prejudiced and they intentionally cast him because he played sort of iconically uh, the character whose name escapes me, Tom. To Kill a Mockingbird, thank you, who is the victim of racism. And so they were looking to do this sort of subversive thing of having hit that character, that actor who's so associated with that role, be this instrument of bigotry. And so he delivers this speech that's like even more extreme, like excoriating huh. the Klingons. And apparently it got huh. cut out. And Brock Peters apparently was very emotionally wrought about performing it. Forgive me, I have like a weird no. uh, recall for special features from a DVD <laughs> that I saw years Please. ago. But it was it was very compelling because Brock Peters like clearly got what the subtext was and was like, I, it pains me to even deliver a speech like this because he's literally going on about how they're inhuman and like, oh, you know, geez. and all this stuff. And, and he did it because he was like, I'm a professional actor and like these are the lines I'm going to deliver them. But apparently it was like very tense on the set because he was like, I don't want to really be saying these kinds of things. And I, I guess they didn't use it. But I mean, you can go on YouTube and find it. It's out there in the world. Maybe you could All right, put yeah. it on the podcast we can, or We'll put a clip in of it now. Um, it'll be but like it, the- it, is, it is weird because it is like this guy who is so noble and, you know, There'll never be a part he he will ever do that, or I guess he's long dead. But there'll never be a part that will eclipse that To Kill Mockingbird character for him. Uh, so it's very eerie seeing him even say like these people are not humans or they're not people, I guess, or whatever. I also went on like a deep dive with him, and I yeah. didn't realize that he sung backup on like a bunch of soul. Oh, really? Records. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, he was also in Soil and Green. So yeah. Oh yeah. I know he keeps he's popping like a, up. <laughs> he's like a Robot House All Star. Him, yeah. Tom Skerritt. Oh, but yeah. that th- that moment in the meeting, the first meeting when you find out what's going on, and he's like one of the only voices saying this is crazy yeah. besides Kirk. 
to me that felt a bit like watching Fox News, you mm-hmm. know, like, and 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 it felt deliberate, and I get apparently yeah, it yeah. was, yeah, um, yeah, like, I don't know, it's painting that with a brush that makes it easier to swallow or something like well, that. And it's funny as you're mentioning that because I'm thinking about there's all these sort of little light scenes that are kind of exposition, but if you rewatch the movie, it's like kind of everybody on the crew besides Spock says some kind of like yeah. effed up stuff yeah, about the Klingons. Yeah. says some shit Like they're shit like, they the eat weird. Right. And, like, well, and then when they're at the table, they're portrayed pretty yeah, negatively. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think at the table, it's more, I'm more forgiving because it's like, okay, there's a genuine culture shock. And like, yeah. yeah. And you actually do see like the, the chancellor and his daughter mm-hmm. are like, do understand what forks are and napkins and clearly know what they're doing. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, somebody in at some point in the movie calls them the uh what is it the low-end models right <laughs> yeah don't know or haven't learned so it's yeah it's like i feel like it's setting you up to hear that that call like right. hear somebody saying oh they're they don't know yeah. they're disgusting whatever beasts but then at the other end of the table is like oh i'm wrong yeah <laughs> But sorry, your synopsis. I no. Oh, oh, yeah. I synopsis. mean, that's like the the sort of like a running theme of the show is like, yeah, we we get through it in yeah. six hours and then chop it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so essentially after their meeting um, and after the dinner, a ship fires on the Klingon peace vessel. Um, and in the ensuing chaos, two Starfleet officers beam aboard in sort of strange attire hidden attire with magnet boots and they assassinate chancellor gorkon it's meant to be like eva suits basically yeah exactly um yeah and and then to me so then why 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 do kirk and bones beam aboard the klingon bird of prey to try and help after the torpedo attack yeah that's actually a great moment where like everybody's like shields captain shields and there's like this exchange of looks between spock and kirk like Kirk is making the calculation, what can I actually do here that won't end in the disintegration mm-hmm. of the peace process? Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously it's not real, but to me that that decision to go to surrender and beam over is like, that's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way that you yeah. would. Yeah, I suppose that's really smart. I Again, I guess maybe I feel like I had a less, not positive, but like, I, I guess I thought that this movie was like a little more hokey than, than I remembered it being. Because I remember being like sort of blown away. But like the scene when Bones is over there trying to heal Chancellor Gorkhan and I was like, this was like a stand-in of every kind of golden age of sci-fi trope of like the brave, intrepid white white man trying to save the day. And they're like, motherfucker, do you even know where this guy's heart is? And he's like, I don't need to. I'm a doctor. (laughs) Just like, what? What are you doing? To me, I feel like there were a lot of moments like that in the movie where like the arrogance of like the Federation attitude, which like clearly is human centric comes is becomes obvious. Like why would bones think that he can help at all? Why would he even beam over? Why wouldn't he bring like a book on Klingon anatomy with him? Well, in his defense, he was drunk. Oh, that's that's right. (laughs) And he's wasted. I do feel like he does play it as like a little drunk. Like he is like, I don't even know where his anatomy is, but I'm going to operate. You know, he's like, Bones, no, (laughs) you're don't do that. And I think at one point somebody points out that his like hands shake or something. Yeah. DeForest Kelly, like of all of them seems like the most decrepit. Like he seems very frail. And when he's like, yeah, trying to perform CPR, you're just like, ooh, this is not a good look. Yeah. He looks um, like a walking cigarette. <laughs> he's just like disgusting in this movie. I mean, he's the only one who I believe, like, it's not a wig. 
yeah to your point i think it's just like the hubris of these people yeah um yeah yeah Yeah, but i feel like that never gets resolved kind of like we get the lesson of Mm -hmm. like oh yeah we're all we all can have prejudice and we have to rise above it but we don't get the lesson of like it's actually wrapped into the whole fiber of our beings. Right. Like, right. We can make the conscious decision to see Klingons as people, mm-hmm. but we also have to talk about the fact that our whole system is making all these assumptions, you know, they, they yeah, kind of yeah. don't address that at all, which I don't know. I mean, I know that when I watched this movie, like I didn't have any consciousness of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my understanding of racism and prejudice at that age was like pretty simple yeah. and explained by this movie essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so I don't know, maybe just the discourse has opened up since then. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I thought also like this reminded me a bit of almost like a non satirical version of Starship Troopers where like, right. Yeah. Like, I kept having that sense. The exactly. Federation guys were basically like towing the same line that like Rico's roughnecks towed, yeah. but were complete. There was like no satire, no joke, mm-hmm. just like straight face. Like, yeah, no, we're, we're intrepid people saving the galaxy. Right. And I was like, the fact that that was unexamined was super interesting. Yeah, it's kind of nice in the sense that like it feels real, like you're going through it as they are. And then there's a point at the, towards the end where Kirk like says it. He's in the, when they're in the prison, they're in in bed, and he's yeah. talking to to Bones about his fear of the future, right? So like they're going through that journey, they're growing and learning. I don't know. That's kind of cool. That's not how it happens at all, really, in Starship Troopers. Right? right. No, they, they just, never come around. They don't to learn it. anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody. Gains well, that's like Paul Verhoeven's view of the world. Is right. Like, <laughs> they never. No one ever is good in his world. I love him, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I think also like we, you know, at the end of the day, it's a sixth edition of a huge franchise. So there's only so much sort of socio-political commentary sure. that it can hold because you have to hit certain like there has to be the space battle there has to be like weird monsters that show up like there's certain detours you have to take in a star trek movie that doesn't allow for enough i mean i again maybe it's why the shows are so popular because that i feel like the true fans of it are the people who watch the shows because those require kind of like sitting with the characters and it's like a lot of talking Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i I don't watch the shows but i feel like it's always people like sitting in like picard's like study and they're like ruminating about this that and the other thing yeah. and i think it's why like when my because i was always a star wars guy and when my brother would watch next generation i would just be like this is boring i don't get it <laughs> yeah and yeah. Um, the original series is even more so oh okay yeah and um but but i feel like with the movies the movies have always kind of been very like battle centric mm. um and it's almost like yeah it's almost like how can we get to that next thing the next big set piece you know it's interesting yeah. actually if you watch the original one i, yeah. I mean I, I don't know if you've seen yeah it, it's yeah. pretty slow it's basically <laughs> yeah. like an hour and a half two hour long yeah, episode yeah, yeah. and they've t- i've heard them talk about that how the original right. movie they were just like we're just gonna make do the same thing but bigger mm-hmm. and it just wasn't that interesting right, right. Like, it's fucking terrible yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah so kirk and bones get arrested for the attempted assassination or the successful assassination of chancellor gorkon um, and they get sent, there's like an interesting Klingon like jury trial scene <laughs> oh, yeah. that's like their lawyer is played by Worf, which, yeah. you know, again, you know, it is Worf. It is. Wh- is he just super old? Do Klingons old? live a really long time? I don't time? know. I've heard a lot of different I stories. I thought it was like it, a Chewbacca thing where he's just like super old. Yeah. You know, I like to think, I like something. to think that. I figured there had to be some canon explanation. I'm sure there is. He's yeah. not credited as Worf. Oh, okay. He's oh, credited yeah. as like Klingon. Yeah. That seems crazy. Like that. Cause it's like sort of Thunderdome. Yeah. 
But yeah. like that's why I asked before. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, that's no. why I asked before about when Star Trek: Next Generation started because he was in Star. Sure. He was on air as this movie came out as Worf. So they it can't have been like oh no one will notice. Yeah, I think it, it seemed. I mean, again, I have weird sense of memory of having seen this movie in theaters, but I remember there being audible like oh man, like Worf's <laughs> here. Like people yeah. were excited that he showed up, and it was right. this weird like oh we're linking these universes now, which is like cool i think if it makes sense i just i literally have no idea how that stuff works yeah i think it would probably have to be like his grandfather or something. oh okay this yeah, movie that, is definitely that was my a handoff, assumption, which is such a nerdy i was sort of like maybe it's his grandpa or his yeah. great-grandpa yeah uh, yeah i think i think you're supposed to say that yeah i think that's oh, okay. the idea cool. but it is like they even talk about it a few times in the show like they're about to be decommissioned they're mm-hmm. in the movie sorry they're about to retire yeah. this is a handoff like yeah, the next yeah, one yeah. that came out is next generation so all those right, nods right. are in there yeah and i noticed in the end credits they did this like very like elegant little thing of like it was like the actor's signature yeah. it's like it was like clearly them being Signing like we're not doing another one <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like no matter how much money you offer Except us ben shatner was in the next right one. <laughs> and then and i think they brought back a few of the people were in like the next uh one, right? what's his name the guy well, yeah uh, uh the russian Chekhov, right yeah and i think scotty like it was definitely yeah, like a Duan couple in the next one i think but but yeah they just kind at of, the beginning yeah yeah because there's, like, yeah. there's a time slip yeah right. where kirk like slips out yeah and, lands and, with yeah. what's his name malcolm mcdowell there's some right. scene where he's like riding a horse with yeah i saw it in theaters too but it, that one's like hazier in my memory that's a rough one yeah <laughs> i remember is it bad i don't really remember that was like it. one of yeah. the first times i, I saw a movie and was like oh movies can be bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not uh, great yeah. i mean i love watching all of them sure sure yeah it's not the best it is funny that like i was excited to see a movie starring like a 65 year old man like i was like i can't wait to see <laughs> walter william shatner yeah. do it again um but yeah yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, basically, so then Kirk and Bones get sentenced and sent to this ice planet where mm-hmm. they're, you know, Grupente. Yeah. Which again, they're, and I thought that the ice world that they're on has some parallels because they, they end up escaping from the ice prison with the help of very beautiful Iman, who's like a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that had parallels to The Left Hand of Darkness, the Ursula K. Le Guin book. Don't don't know it no oh god now i'm really i'm showing my nerd colors where like a, a big part of that book is about like an escape that two political people or it's like a, a political kind of envoy from another world are escaping this situation and have to trek across this planet that's made of ice trek yes <laughs> thank you sam mm-hmm. um yeah and I, they so they end up getting beamed back onto the Enterprise and they get to rendezvous with the peace talks between the Klingons and the Federation, which I was a bit confused by the president of the Federation also <laughs> seemed to be Klingon. No, that was uh, Red Foreman. Yeah, it was Red Foreman. He's a from human. That's, that's, he was human? He, his I mean, Red forehead Foreman's was all... Human. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, I think he's not supposed to be Klingon. He just has a similar hairline. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I was like... yeah. Um, yeah, and so they end up rendezvousing and saving the the new peace talks between the Klingons and the Federation, um, and revealing that the traitor among the, just, yeah, you just the jumped over the, like, the entire movie just well, now, which I loved that like a huge premise of this movie is basically a bottle murder mystery yeah, within right, the Enterprise yeah. of them trying to search for 
who the actual killers or who the actual members of Starfleet that beamed onto the Klingon ship were. Yeah, for such a cheesy movie and such a cheesy genre, I felt like was, that aspect was actually fairly well executed. I, like, it carried me through. The mind yeah. meld scene is unabashedly so dope. I love yeah. that part. It's so good. Leonard Nimoy, to me, is like sublime i think he is better than everyone else at acting (laughs) but i also and obviously the character is probably the most interesting of all the characters but i just feel like in all of these movies he's operating on like a totally different level and whenever he shows up i feel like oh like i'm in good hands like this is going to be like an interesting scene and i feel like everybody else like steps their game up around like i don't particularly have any views about kim cattrall as an actress but i feel like her scenes with him are like super interesting and like there's sort of like a father daughter thing going on, but there's also some like weird sexual chemistry. Their vibe was real weird. Yeah. Right? But like in an I interesting way. Yeah, no, and then complex. that mind melt scene, it was like super, I remember being very freaked out by it as a child. Cause I was like, what's happening. <laughs> and then also it seems like emotionally draining for both of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, I, again, like, I don't know. I think any sci-fi movie, if you, can scratch hard enough it's like it's cheesy i guess because it's all make-believe but (laughs) i i don't know i I think it's like yeah one of the cooler ones if i mean they're all sort of goofy but like like i enjoy the fourth one but you know it involves like goofy yeah it's like it's like (laughs) time traveling rockers on a bus getting like knocked out by spock and stuff but it's like still fun yeah you know that's the Um, best scene in any movie yeah it's awesome yeah it's like kidding i fucking love this yeah but it's camp it's like that the fourth one is like pure camp but in a good way yeah um i have i know the fifth one is supposed to be really bad i've never seen the fifth all the odd numbered ones are terrible okay yeah yeah yeah. i've seen the third one obviously wrath of khan yeah third one's fine the high water mark yeah 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 um. Yeah, I don't know. I, Kim Cattrall was such a weird choice for this. I find her performance and the character completely bizarre, and like <laughs> it doesn't. She doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And can we just start for people for listeners who haven't seen this movie? Google Kim Cattrall in this movie and her hair because she has <laughs> like the sideburns of a mental patient. Like I don't what know. What does that even mean? <laughs> I just. Like, to me, that was the most upsetting thing about this movie. I huh. could, anytime she was haircut. on this on the screen, I was just like, "What happened to your sideburns? You mean where like did how they her go? bangs continue to over where her sideburns should be? Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's it's basically like her hair is one set of bangs. You say all this now, but there's somebody somewhere who's been doing it to cosplay with that character for years <laughs> yeah and is like i have no idea what you're talking about and if, if that me. person is listening right now fucking more upset. power to you <laughs> yeah like ignore asher you rule yes full do it, now Marmy. they can't finish they yeah. were like about to finish and you ruined it uh, um but yeah i'm sorry i keep interrupting your synopsis no, so basically please. there's murder mystery the klingons are mad what <laughs> else is there to say about the plot and then like I don't even remember how it gets resolved. Well, they, and they the resolution everybody. is very like it. I, it almost feels like okay, we spent a little more time than we needed yeah. to on the ice planet, yeah. so now we've got to resolve this really quick. So we're gonna have the plot resolve at the same time as like yeah. we resolve <laughs> the Klingon question. Everything so comes together at one, and also like uh, Sulu's ship. Oh right! Like that plot line has been sort of bouncing along on the surface all along, and then suddenly at the climax, there they are. It's like everything comes together in this yeah. neat little Which, boat. Right I remember end. when I saw this movie in theaters as a kid, when Sulu showed up, feeling like, oh my god, yeah. we made it! Yeah, cool. It's like a yeah. 
dorkier version of Han Solo coming to the rescue uh-huh. in Star Wars. It's yes. the same idea. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I think, it, yeah, I think it has like a cute sentimental vibe too because to your earlier point, it's like, clearly this is kind of like the last voyage of all these folks, you know? Yeah. And at this point, it's now like a cliche that whatever directive they get, Captain Kirk is going to not do it. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like, but I get like, I appreciate that now that's kind of like a cute thing of like Starfleet says you have to go to this place. And they all look at each other kind of like, we're not doing that. Right. <laughs> this is that thing we do every time. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. There's something very like, cute to me about uh, that that you know. line where he's like second start of the ride and straight on till morning oh, like half Lord. of my brain is like we it's beginning again <laughs> and the other half of me is like shut the fuck up what is wrong with you yeah. like like your boss be any you worse? no no just like how cheesy it is yeah, like, yeah. That. like yeah. just say like you know pick a heading and go like that that moment i was like <laughs> barfing at the same time as i'm cheering yeah well and also like do none of them have personal lives i was just wondering about no. everyone else on the yeah, ship that where is, i was like true they never establish like if they have families or spouses it's very strange yeah i was like you really must hate your that stuff <laughs> is in your home canon. life oh okay but like I, yeah basically the answer is that they don't really yeah yeah, yeah. they have like things like i guess scotty has a ranch or some of crap course, that's that. hilarious yeah also i love the conceit that like whatever is going on in any of these films or i don't know if this is true of the tv show but like Scotty's situation is like always a mess. Like he's just always like, I can't do that voice, but it's like, you know, there's always a problem in engineering. There's always some like, something's going wrong. And he's so obstinate. It's always like, it's not my fault. Yeah, you know, me help us. I can't do it. Like, it's not, you know, it's, it's like, not possible. Yeah. Like, does he, I don't think he ever takes responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Except also then he always does it. Yeah. He's like, yeah. it's not possible for me to do what you want. I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Also, when you see, there's a scene where like the ship bucks and he like starts to slip. And I was Ooh. like, Oh man, that whale yeah, is coming yeah. down. Like, he is gigantic in this in a way that yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess I was concerned for all of their health and well-being. I mean, they've yeah. all put on weight. They're all... Or would look frail. Years. Yeah, or look frail. I guess, like, I don't know. I mean, Leonard Nimoy looked okay. Yeah. Uhura looks all right. Like, mm. they seem to be in, like, decent shape yeah. compared to, you know, Shatner just looks like... I mean, she's the most attractive grandpa. person from the show. Yeah. So it's, like, natural that she, that would, she would continue to up look okay. Like yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. the others are, are like... 60s era i mean william shatner was like pretty handsome on the original show and he just like went to seed a little bit i guess i never really saw it yeah Yeah. but actually i did want to go back for a sec um i had that the same experience we're talking about of like a the one aspect of it being not quite so great taking Mm -hmm. me out and it was kim cattrall like yeah the couple of scenes like the one which it had never occurred to me before i've seen this movie a few times um, when she's talking about sabotage, mm-hmm. first of all, I used to think that was a true story about yeah. the wooden shoes into the machines. Oh, it's not. It's, that's not a real thing. Totally made up for the movie. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but like that whole exchange is totally out of character. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. First of all, it doesn't make any sense for a Vulcan mm-hmm. to be saying something like that. <laughs> Nerd. Second of all, she like a scene before is chastising the captain for mm-hmm. breaking protocol. Yeah. And thirdly, at the end of the movie is like surprised when somebody is doing sabotage yeah i think so. to your point it's like i think that's why i think letter nimoy is great because i think he gets that it's like it's not that the character like doesn't 
express things in an emotional way. It's like, right. I don't know. I just feel like he understands how to communicate like, oh, this person's very logical and they, they lean on that. But I feel like sometimes when other actors try to play Vulcans, they're like either like, I'm going to play it as like, I'm a goody two shoes and I have no concept of how the world works. Or they're, they're like too big and they're leaning like too hard into like, I'm right. not human or whatever. And I feel like he just does so much with just like a raised eyebrow or like a really funny one liner where you're like, oh, that's right. He's <laughs> like not an emotional dude, but it's not like beating you over the head with it. Like I don't I like the new ones fine, but I never loved Zachary Quinto's version of Spock because it's right. like he's so humorless. And I guess it's like he had to do something different. Yeah. But I've always loved that Spock had was funny. Like he yeah. had a, a, little a little twinkle in his eye. He wasn't like, I have no sense of humor. It's just, I'm not an emotional dude. Yeah. Like, there's a difference. Yeah. He's also you know? not to be that guy, but yeah, he's also half human. Right. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. 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 Or Kim, Kim Cattrall like is supposed to be. And I think it's yeah. actually a really, you know, Leonard Nemo is kind of cheating yeah. because to play a character that doesn't, really interface with their emotional reality yeah. at all is basically impossible. Right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. so it's for Spock. Like I think Leonard Nimoy, you're right. Does yeah. like a brilliant job throughout these movies and the show yeah. of showing how like a human, a half human who has emotions, but has been like trained from birth to suppress them, mm-hmm. how they come out in these little moments. So yes, that yes. you see, you see his yeah, humanity. Like right? there's that one, sorry to interrupt, but just made no, me think ahead. of this one little moment where, he understands that if they don't, I can't remember exactly what the directive is, but there's some order that they need to break in order to save Kirk. And oh, they're it, supposed to go back. Yeah. And okay. instead of saying like, we have uh-huh. to save Kirk or whatever, he says something like, well, if we don't do that, of course, like they will have died and that will be a problem. Like, he just he right. presents it to him in a way where it's like, you understand why we have to break the rules right now. And I'm going to explain it to you in a very like, logical like unemotional way but it's an emotional decision i'm making it's like a little thing here's my rationalism yeah it's like a little like nod to exactly what you're talking about that i appreciated um yeah i mean i don't know i don't have any other like grand thoughts about this movie i just think um i think it's like a, a, a cool snapshot of a very like small window of time that is very vivid in my memory because i was you know just old enough to you know, remember the Berlin wall coming down and remembering this period and the sort of heady days of like the early Clinton administration where we uh, kind of thought like, Oh, like global peace could be a thing. Like it was a genuine, history. yeah, it was a genuine Which they belief that we were going to reach this brave new world where we were, there would be no great global enemy, um, which now feels like incredibly, uh, you know, utopia. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the, the thing in the movie that makes me really engaged, right, is Kirk's journey, yeah. Kirk's moral journey, right, and his evolution of understanding that he that he was broken, mm-hmm. um, which, like, obviously is relevant in the, in the historical yeah. context, but like yeah. is even more relevant today without that history. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't mm-hmm. have that moment right now where we're trying to make peace across the line. Right, we're just in the situation where we forgot how. Like the lesson of that moment. Well, it's almost like you a know. corollary would be, and maybe this is like a totally insensitive way to describe it, but it's like these, you know, hard, like un- unbelievably tragic circumstances that are not as common as Trump portrays them to be, 
where people have been the victims of violence perpetrated by undocumented yeah, people. Exactly. And he brings these folks out and, and presumably if they weren't prejudiced previously, whatever prejudice they might hold has been activated now. And that's but, to me like what would be the corollary to Kirk here is like his, his son was murdered. So he probably has something of an ax to grind here, but it's hmm. misplaced to like attribute it to an entire race of people. Right. I think more so like the, the trotting out of those people. Yeah. Like perpetuates the, so that's, that's kind of my point is like this, this idea that that's a, a rational way to understand the world mm-hmm. to say like, you know, I was hurt personally by this person and therefore we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. Like not only is that scary when it happens to an individual, but when you say like, look, this is how, this is what we should be listening to. This is what we should be doing. Yeah. This is what's important in our discourse. Like, that's, that's really messed up. Well, and it's like, I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't know if I've added myself on here before as being black. I feel like I've, I, I do it periodically. <laughs> it comes up a lot, but I'll, especially I'll nowadays. I'll this song from CB4. Yeah, in case you didn't know. And to me, like, that is always such a chilling thing when folks just, and it happens constantly, but make these, like, insane broad statements just about, like, my entire culture based on either something they saw or, or a, to your point, like, a personal experience that a person had. I remember, this is such a weird reference, but I remember years ago watching an episode of The Real World where, um, and it was billed as, like, a special episode because this girl, like, calls somebody the N-word, and it's, like, oh, she's at a club, and, like, you know, she gets into, like, you know, she was drunk, but some kind of, like, argument fisticuffs with a guy there who happened to be black she calls him the n-word they all come back have like a house meeting about it now everyone else in the house you know it was six of the seven people was white and the one the one black guy who was sort of like this really nice normal guy i don't know how he ended up on the show like he literally breaks off by himself like calls his mom because he witnessed it all and was like this was really traumatic for me everyone else is like comforting the white lady and the white (laughs) lady's whole whole aesthetic was or whole her whole like justification was like i had been um like assaulted once by a black guy and this was treated as like oh my god like say no more you know like now we understand yeah (laughs) and like terrible that that happened to her obviously like unforgivable but like nobody was like raising like the the larger question of like what does that have to do with you using like a racial slur in this context like what are we doing um but yeah it's like it's happening on such a massive scale. Like that was like one episode of a TV show where I was like, oof, that was unpleasant, but I don't, I didn't want to believe that that was so widespread, like that kind of thinking. I thought it was in my naive, whatever, how old I was mine when I saw it, thought that was like an isolated incident. And now I've come to understand that like, no 60 million roughly people in this country believe that like what one individual may have done or do is just, you know, an endemic of like everybody yeah. in that culture. I think it's actually a lot worse than it's that. probably worse. Yeah. yeah. I, I was about well, to be like 60 million. You're well, being I'm just really thinking of the kind. people who voted for him, but right. you know, but no. Yeah. And again, to go back to the movie for, for just a second, yeah. uh, Kirk talks about exactly that. He yeah. says like right near the end of the movie, he's talking about like, you know, how messed up, whatever their, their way of thinking was. Right. Uh, but it could have been worse you know, they could have pulled the trigger. They could have mm-hmm. been involved in the conspiracy to kill the chancellor. Like yeah. there are, there is a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And like, in order to prevent people at one end of the spectrum from doing terrible things, you have to be able to see that people at the near end of the spectrum also need to correct their behavior. They're not behavior even, but their Point of way view. of thinking. Yeah. Their way of framing the world. I think that's like, 
kind of the point in some sense of this movie is like in order to stop the radical thing yeah you have to really be talking about the not so radical thing because it feels normal mm. and it makes it like not that crazy that you would it makes it justifiable that you would do the radical thing i mean politically know? we're talking about the overton window yeah no exactly i mean you know it's like again you know we capitulated as a society to right-wing politics for so long that the right wing got everything they want and <laughs> went past and now it's like we have a right-wing party and we have a fucking right. insane party and, and now, it's like now my twitter feed is all we got to move to the center or we're gonna lose uh, well i don't have any of that on mine mm. i've purged <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't know just sci-fi drawings now. yeah yeah just sci-fi drawings and like i don't know occasionally like bernie sanders mm. cool <laughs> yeah well that was something raf said on the show where he was like thank you bill clinton he made he made the Democratic Party the Republican Party, yep. freeing up the Republican Party to become the Lunatic Party. Yep. Which is like, That's all right, right, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, super uplifting. <laughs> yeah. So I had a round table for you guys. I mean, uh, so I guess. How much tape do we have? Oh, we got an hour. We're, we're good. I mean, I'd say there's probably about 25 minutes in there that might be massaged a little. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess my, my round table and we can skip it if it, if it no, doesn't no. land, Let's but, skip but my round, <laughs> my round table <laughs> question was basically about the Kennedy assassination. Oh yeah. Because I, I thought that there was a lot of parallels between this movie and that, in that you have like a potential, situation where mm-hmm. uh a leader is trying to tamp down the military industrial complex and that against leader is yeah the a, a, against the wishes of, of, yeah. of the generals who mm-hmm. tell him what's what and mm-hmm. that leader is like killed by question mark enemy that may allow us to continue our forever war it was kim yeah kim cattrall did it so i i don't know i mean it's also just like as i've always been obsessed with conspiracy theories it's probably my favorite one because it has the most inputs and outputs like there's just Mm -hmm. so many like oh yeah this person did it for this means this person did it for that means Mm -hmm. i don't think that didn't they like release all the papers now no they were supposed to and then it was very weird i'm not saying that this is part (laughs) of the conspiracy but but it was but trump like did this very dramatic like i'm releasing because you know it's like (laughs) he's very interesting because i mean obviously he's like a terrible human being and a crazy person and he's very easily, but the thing about him I find so fascinating and entertaining is just how easily manipulated he is. Yeah. Like I always joke about my friends at work that I'm like, you know, I could go, I'm a nobody relatively, but I could go on Twitter and be like, I renounce Samantha B. you know, Donald Trump is great. He, you know, he's doing great things for African-Americans. Well, and then, and then tweeted at him and he would definitely retweet me. Oh, like yeah. The president of the United States without hesitation like within 30 seconds we'll retreat and it's scary that i could have that much power as like a random nobody but i truly believe i could do that and uh, it's also scary that he's watching his feed close right enough exactly to that. <laughs> and and that he is so susceptible to any you know favorable thing so sometimes like i think things come across as transom where they're like oh you so if you tell him like some other president wasn't able to do this or it's like why he pardoned jack johnson because it was like oh right. you know obama didn't do this and he was like oh great I can own it. It's mine now. And so I think like with this, like they were like, Oh, none of the other presidents like released the, all the Kennedy archive stuff. And he was like, cool, I'll do it. (laughs) And then right before it was supposed to come out very cryptically, they were like, actually like, we're not going to release most of it. And so they released like a few drips and drabs that were interesting. Yeah. um, But it wasn't like, the meaty stuff that like supposedly it was going to come out in our lifetime. I'd like to know more about it. Um, Okay. For me, that I just feel like I I'm hung up on just the footage, and it seems 
pretty transparent to me that the shots are coming from, from a different direction. Yeah. And so that just raises questions. I, that, and to me, I'm like, the debate can begin there, but you can't, to me, make a logical argument that he was just shot from a book depository and end of story. Like, yeah, clearly well, there was other things going on. Yeah, also, That's like, all. yeah, no, two bullets, six wounds in, like, yeah, 2.5 yeah. seconds. And, and I, I think it took them, like, 25 years to find another sharpshooter right. who could reproduce it. That being said, like, I, I was, and again, I I'm, hate to be quoting other unnamed podcasts on your podcast. No, please. But, but I was listening to an interview with someone who was, like, a deep state person, like, someone, uh-huh. and they were making the point that, like, we're not as like sophisticated as the public would like to think that we are. And like, we're not, we're a lot more hapless and sort of bureaucratic. And so these idea, the idea that there are like these massive secret, you know, projects and investigations and like conspiracies that are going on, isn't necessarily true because it's just like there aren't the there isn't the man's yeah, the brain mechanism to, to make those things is completely yeah. unfeasible. I have a quibble with that actually. It may be that that person like would love to perpetuate the idea of a no, but weekend. also there I, could be I compartmentalization. Yeah, like, you could true. easily have like one guy who's right. like this dude is a problem, mm-hmm. and he gets one other guy to pull right. the trigger. No, right? that's fair. And then the conspiracy is essentially in the cover up, right? Right, which is right. why it would be interesting to see all the documents to yes. see like what. I completely agree, and yeah. I mean, we it just was a. It almost could be a different. It was a different century, but it could be several. I mean, in terms of like the level of yeah. security we had, I mean, it's insane how much access you could have had to I, a president at that time, and just how easily well, you could have done these things. It's a lot worse and, now. All you need is a membership to Mar-a-Lago. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's in, yeah, we have regressed, <laughs> but generally speaking, um, and yeah, just like the the way in, in the, the the period that of that that my parents, I guess, lived through mm. in particular, where just it seems like every other year, major figures were being shot down. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, to me, God. that's the biggest argument yeah, yeah. for it. it's a conspiracy. Yeah, like, you know, it's, JFK, RFK, right? Like, just back to back. It's hard to buy that. Just like those are all like, yeah, like crazy fluke thing. Like the, the most important political figure of that moment who happened to be inching towards like a more egalitarian society just kept getting picked off every time. And they all seemed to be on one side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted George Wallace got shot, but like that was by somebody who was very clearly crazy and was like, I wanted to kill Nixon and like George Wallace was easier to kill. Like he, (laughs) Arthur Bremer just wanted to kill somebody. Right. That was his whole thing. But like, yeah, it seems to me that like it's always like the lefty-ish people who get shot down. Yeah, yeah but there are, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into it because yeah, yeah. Asher will get on me, but what? Um, what? like there's lots of evidence of, if not direct conspiracy, like there's yeah. COINTELPRO. There's all kinds of stuff yeah, that the yeah. US government has done to resist, to For tamp sure. down yeah, yeah. specifically those interests. So like, yeah. m- you know, maybe you want to make the argument that they didn't arrange the pulling of the trigger, but like in the same way that we're talking about in this movie, like they're definitely setting the stage for that. Like that is definitely the direction oh, they're yeah. going. Yeah. Right? And I think that's probably my favorite thing about conspiracy is that really conspiracy is about us trying to like make logical kind of the extreme, right? So like some event occurs and it's like something that's so outside of the purview of things that we would normally expect or understand mm-hmm. that we have to kind of find a way to categorize it and organize it in our minds. Yeah. And in the aftermath of that event, while we're all trying to piece together the past, the really interesting thing is like a, you know, like a good, 
like street magician or whatever. Right. Like what are the, the sort of forces of power actually using our shock, whether or not it was arranged by them completely, who cares? Right. At That's that point. the bigger question. But the, the compelling element of what you're describing and this movie is this idea of, you know, the, the threat coming from within, you know, sort of like a Caesar situation where the people, the architects of this guy being killed are his own people. Yeah. And, and that's just interesting that like this entrenched in, like, I have long wondered, you know, if and when the FBI, for instance, who who the president has like really turned into like an enemy, hasn't at some point, I'm like, when are they going to start leaking stuff? Like, when are they going to start doing things to kind of surreptitiously strike back at him? Because clearly with Kennedy, like the relationship with the CIA was well, so antagonistic. I mean, you just said it. Yeah. It's like, he's on the wrong side. So yeah. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Right. Because right. he's protecting the, you know, actually to be honest, I think it's largely institutional racism. Like what yeah. they're actually trying to pr- protect is the power dynamic. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's no, you're not wrong. I mean, obviously they could have, this is what, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're kind of, answering my stupid point and I should never have made it because I'm also remembering <laughs> no. well it's also the reality that they had all of this information on on Trump and it's why right. his argument that they're all conspiring against him is so ludicrous because right. they could have easily just been like destroyed we're, his we're investigating him and by the way he paid off like a porn star like they have all the dirt right. like they all have all the dirt and they to your point they've all decided that it's sort of like his voters. They all decided Hillary's worse. Like no matter yeah, it's what, better it's have. better to have this than her or the Democrats or whatever. But also like they probably aren't wrong yeah. if you move your perspective over to Langley, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, from their own point of view. They're yeah. Right. yeah, because their yes, fucking paycheck yes. is determined. In no, power. Well, not yes. only their paycheck, but like the continued. Right. Yeah, their 401 the, yes, Perpetual sure. war. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a better option. And also like perpetual you know, stratification. So yes. the FBI have a, you know, a population that they can target that isn't right. gonna, isn't, there's not a feedback loop there, you know, yeah. the, so yeah. they don't have oh, to go and start investigating the real criminals. Sure. Like, like, real yeah. like folks on wall street who yeah. maybe were personally like, Oh, his rhetoric is not too great, but he's going to be better for my bottom line or, you know, folks yeah, exactly. in law enforcement who, would like to take the gloves off, you know, oh, like right. there are those folks right. and like, or want to switch into the private sector yeah. and run prisons. Oh you yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, <laughs> I'm glad. Great. It's a very dark thing. Thanks I mean, for tuning into like left wing militancy. No, I mean, it's like, I mean, I think it's look, Star Trek is like, which I think is one of the things that's interesting about it is for such a like big commercial mainstream behemoth. I mean, God, it's been like 12 movies. God knows how many TV shows um it it does have a very like lefty core about it uh i I mean obviously they're a military operation but like or or maybe it's not lefty isn't the right word but like it's a very kind of they want to get to this sort of world i mean my understanding correct me if i'm wrong is like jim roddenberry wanted to envision this world with like all different races coexisting and like you know engaging with these other cultures and it being like a more you know positive thing with all of them sure if that helps and uh yeah i feel like that seems to be more or less approximately where most of these movies end up is some sort of like pro you know reaching out to your fellow creature or being um which i think is uh, obviously hokey but also sort of nice that there's this big commercial thing that at its core is about sort of searching and understanding and 
trying to get to peace. Yeah, it's like aspirational towards equality yeah. and peace and understanding. We have an ongoing De- battle. debate between yeah. Sam and I. There's been oh, like an ongoing discussion over the nature of and yeah. Um, no worries. Uh, there's been an ongoing discussion between Sam and I about sort of like the nature of uh, fascism and the role that fascism and fascist thinking plays in science fiction overall, but like yeah. also in Star Trek is a pretty good example. Fascism isn't quite the right term though. Yeah. It's more like, um, I mean, I, I, I actually think liberalism is a better term for yeah. it. Um, the idea of like the disinterested, perfectly enlightened, you know, unitary f- force of order. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the Federation, that's the order of the, like whatever that's the, the Federation, the Federation. Yeah. Right. And, and they actually, I, I'm actually starting to, to come back come on over my, my point side? a little bit. No, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but like, welcome to Kirk, the cops, Sam <laughs> Kirk definitely subverts that tendency in the Federation. And that's part of the theme. Yeah. He keeps coming around to like, the, the this monolithic power that you guys are wielding is dangerous. Mm-hmm. The problematic part for me is that Kirk himself is doing the same thing, sure. right? There's no voice in these stories saying like, right. why don't we have collective action? Why don't we have like real democracy? Why right. don't we, why aren't we bringing these people in? He's as like equals? a good captain, but he's still a captain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, you need that in yeah. war. Sure, like, sure. of course I'm not going to bash like Every military general. hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that you definitely need. I don't want an, a military running on anarchist principles. Mm-hmm. Like that's a recipe <laughs> for total disaster. <laughs> yeah. But, but like in or terms cool of stuff with tanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Lots of big explosions. That's true. <laughs> get her done, General. Yeah. Get her done. <laughs> but like the whole central yeah. concept of this movie, even less yeah. so than the other ones, is that like you know what we really need is one hero to save the day, one hero who knows sure. what's best. Yeah, and it's like really patriarchal, yeah. really monolithic, yeah. really homogeneous. Like right. the concept of it is, I find a little bordering on offensive. Oh, sure. But, I mean, it's but you're right. American. That it's aspirational. It's, it's super. American, yeah. I mean, right? I and I don't, maybe a smarter person than I can explain why we're so preoccupied with like the swaggering dude. Who's going to yeah. like punch out the bad guy. And I'm oh, saying this, so American. I'm <laughs> yeah. saying this as someone who has enjoyed any number of, of these products and, and knowing fully well that like this is hokum or whatever, you know, but I get a kick out of it, you know? And then you're just like, why did I need that? Like, why do I need the strong man? You no, know? it's super fun. But like, yeah. but what's scary to me is that like, not everybody knows it's hokum. Like, yeah, in fact, yeah. I think most people are like, Oh, this is what we need. Well, like bringing it back to Trump, like his favorite, uh, one of his favorite movies that he name checks all the time is Air Force One. And, you know, yeah. I I enjoy oh, yeah. Air Force One as like a campy, silly action movie, but like, it's very real for him. Yeah, right. people and think that that shit is real. Like, if, hilariously, like, they, they brought it up to Harrison Ford and like, Grumfield Harrison Ford was like, it was a fucking movie or whatever. <laughs> like, he was like, of course, disturbed as hell, but it's like, to hear Trump tell it, he was like, you know, he kicked all those terrorist ass, like, single-handed. <laughs> but if you watch that film, it's like, he everything he's doing is like not what you want your president doing like you don't mm-hmm. want your president to not get in his escape pod right and like yeah. pick up a machine gun and engage with the terrorists and <laughs> put all these people's lives at risk and like right. throw literally commit murder himself many times over <laughs> get off he puts my his plane. family yeah i mean again great line hilarious <laughs> moment what but, happened to due process but guys? yeah it's like every i mean it's so funny watching it now i mean it wouldn't work for this podcast but it's such a funny rewatch because you're just 
like everything he's doing is the wrong decision but in 1997 we're like yeah get him you know yeah. and trump is so bloodthirsty that it's like that's i think he has convinced he is so convinced that that's how he would be you know and obviously if he was ever in a situation like that he would like piss his pants but he really wants to believe like i'd be the one to like beat everybody up yeah <laughs> it reminds me of like Shocking. you know I think on tour, this was a bumper sticker I remember seeing once when it was like I was on like drive shift or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that real? Do people actually believe it? It just said like, if you can read, thank a teacher. If you can read English, thank a Marine. And I was like, whoa. I was like, <laughs> holy shit. And it's something that, it was, this wasn't the yeah, only time I saw shocking. this. Like I saw it a number of times over the years. And I was like, I can't believe that that's actually like a what perspective. What do they think we'd be speaking? I don't, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. I was, the original Klingon. Klingon. Yeah, I was just Russian? Sort of like, yeah. German? Maybe it, German? Japanese? Yeah. Maybe German, right? Yeah. Because the idea would be like the Nazis would have taken yeah, over. Or maybe fucking Arabic. Esperanto. Like maybe we would that's, actually live yeah. in a socialist utopia. I would if bet it a lot of money that Marines. that Marine does not think we'd be speaking maybe just Esperanto. thank a Marine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, <laughs> you don't have to make it about it. If you want to thank a Marine, like, hey, well, thank you for your service. I, yeah. You know, I don't, yeah. So I, I guess I was kind of shocked that that was like a point of view of people who actually thought that like we can vote because like Steven Seagal like airdropped <laughs> into Afghanistan. <laughs> Now, yeah. that, now that is true. <laughs> Karate chops, um, that's Bin been Laden. proven. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Rambo three, but I mean, he trained the Mujahideen. Uh, uh, yeah, right, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's strange. Well, the whole that that's okay. So this is getting into a whole other thing. But I feel like it's the post, and I enjoy First Blood. It's a legit good movie. But that movie and everything that's come after it has really like we've over course corrected on the spitting on soldiers thing. Right. So it's like right. everybody has not everybody, but a lot of people have like remorse about that. It's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But that that was such a visceral thing for so many Wait. people. The idea of like returning home, being home, oh, non-soldiers Vietnam, and, and sort of veterans or soldiers being blamed for atrocities and things like that, that yeah. I think a certain generation of folks over course corrected for that. And it became you can now say nothing right. bad about the military. Or, or, or because then you're disparaging America, then you're disparaging everyone in the military, and it's kind of like, whoa, like, yeah, let's hold it. Yeah. Like, I agree, I don't feel comfortable, like, you know, beating up on literally an individual soldier coming home because I have literally no yeah. idea what they did, or, or, and mm-hmm. of course, like, in some cases, even if they did things that I would find reprehensible, they were almost certainly doing so because they were ordered to. Um, it, it's, it's and anyway, it's yeah. the system that's problematic, Absolutely. not the individual. Like, because because if you had, yeah. you know, the thing I always think about is like, you you always hear people say like, it's a soldier's responsibility to refuse an illegal order, right? Like, yeah. yeah, fucking okay. good but, luck. But, but, yeah, right. But Do you then, know what friendly fire is? <laughs> it's yeah. people saying no to their officers. Right, right. <laughs> and not only that, but like, you know, how do we have? even the latitude to put that moral authority on a soldier. Like first we teach them like you are a grunt, you're a cog in this machine and you do what we tell you. And then you lay it on them like, Oh, but if we tell you what we tell you is bad, like Mm -hmm. you better know and do, do the right thing. We might kill you for it, but do it. any like, it's just when you see horrible things on the subway. I mean, the other day, the other day a lady fainted on me. I was like looking in the other direction. I was, you know, listening to a podcast. I felt something bump me on my back. And I was like, oh boy, turn around. It turned out it was like a lady's head. She had just been lightheaded and passed out. And I was so like stunned. 
and I just stood there like an idiot. Now I normally am like, if I'm ever in a situation, I want to be one of those people who like jumps in and helps and does the right thing. I was like half awake, listen to a podcast, like what now? Some lady hit me. What? And meanwhile, <laughs> like 10 people had rushed in and they were all doing the right thing. Uh, but that doesn't make me like a bad person. It's just like, we all want to think it's like, um, I feel like maybe it's Chris Rock. Somebody has a great joke about black folks who are like, man, if I lived during slavery, I wouldn't have taken that shit. <laughs> right. I would have kicked the slave master's ass. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's a cool idea. But like most likely, like then you would have been killed and you yeah. would have been used as a lesson for everyone else. Yeah. And I yeah. have the same, the same experience when people talk about capos in, mm-hmm. in the war in, in World War II. It's like, yeah. and people use that term to talk about like Jews that don't like Israel now. Sure. Like, oh, you're a capo. But like, first of all, the whole idea, it's the same thing. Like you can't you can't put yourself in the shoes of those people. Like you don't know what moral calculation they're doing and you don't know when moral calculations go out the window. At some point that happens. And their lives are in danger. And it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's not been a part of my life at all, but my wife's, uh, father and both of her brothers were in the military luckily you know neither none of them they were all sort of during relative peacetime so none of them saw like real combat or anything like that um and i've never really sat down and asked them why they felt compelled to do it but i you know i know it's interesting because they're puerto rican and puerto ricans like over or they're overrepresented in the military like they they are just sort of culturally predisposed and it seems to be from a place of Oh, like I need to contribute to my country. Like this country has done so much for me. I need to give back. And this is like a way to give back. Now, other people might make an argument that there are better, more altruistic ways to give back to society. But like, if that's the motivation, like that's interesting. And I imagine that Gene Roddenberry's idea of Star Trek, even though to your point, it is inherently patriarchal and problematic and all of these things. I think in his mind, it, it was a genuinely like nice, good thing. Oh yeah. yeah no shit for back. sure. Yeah. Ah, uh, so Fucking sh- Star Trek. <laughs> should we throw it to endorsements? Uh, sure. Um, you want to go first? Wait, didn't you have a roundtable question? I, I think, think that was it. Yeah, or the roundtable question bad. was about the Kennedy it was, assassination. It was like oh, right. He, he dropped a Molotov cocktail. He's like, Kennedy assassination, go. And we just deconstructed yeah. all of the, the American political right. ethos. Yeah, we yeah. kind of skipped <laughs> the Kennedy assassination. I, don't know. I, mean, there, I mean, what is there else there is to say? I mean, again, there, there yeah. was probably more than one shooter. Yeah. And to me, that as a baseline thing, I don't care. Like, because I've, I've, I know Raf once like snapped at me when I said, I believe there is a conspiracy and was like, Oh yeah. Raph is hardcore. Not right. Which is fine. (laughs) But I think even he would concede he's not here to do it. So he can listen to this and be furious at me for (laughs) for throwing shade at him. But I imagine that even he would concede that like the tape very strongly suggests that there were shots from another direction. And to me, just that information alone Hmm. requires investigation requires like a lot of questions and we should want to know who killed a president because that's incredibly consequential and it had huge reverberations for the future. And I'm not saying that like John F. Kennedy would never have like gone to Vietnam, but Mm -hmm. I do think that he would have prosecuted that war in a very different way than LBJ did. And that has this ripple effect that gave us Nixon and Reagan and, here we are and today. Here we are you know today. what I mean? Yeah, well, they won. And whoever right. it yeah, was, the they guy, won. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. That's, think, yeah, that's, yeah, that's such a great point because that to me, I don't know about other people, but for me, it's why I want to know what is the thing that Putin has over Trump right now because it's affecting our lives right now, but also it's like the evil people are currently winning and I want that outed. 
Yeah. And it's that yeah. aspect of the Kennedy thing that drives me. It's knowing that they did it and they got away with it and they got the result that they wanted, whoever they were. Right. And I want some retribution. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like what scares me, honestly, is that like, you know, it's not just the Russians like that. There's, mm-hmm. and this, this is a continuation oh, of yeah. the same thing that we were just talking about. And like, the theme of Star Trek, it's not just fucking Chang. Exactly. It's right. Chang and the Federation. It's yeah. The and people uh, who are getting Kim Cattrall and yeah. Yeah. It's the people who get paid to live in the world that we live in. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. the world's working for them. Why would we fuck that up at all? Yeah. And actually to me, the, you know, I'm more scared or I shouldn't say scared. I'm more concerned with, Brock Peters character than mm-hmm. and and Kim Cattrall's character than I am with Chang. Yeah. Because Chang, that's a foreign government doing whatever is Right. But but and like so that you could call that an, an act of war, but the people in our house that are doing it, mm-hmm. like that's way more troubling to me. Right. Yeah. Right? right. And we're not talking about that in America almost at all. Yeah. And Chang right. is like a tip of the spear kind of thing. Like he's yeah, a dude right. who's like his whole professional career has been about this, so it's like you can almost almost forgive the fact that he's like what he is. Yeah, I mean, it's but, right yeah. on the face too. So it's like, okay, there's the enemy. Right. But actually, it like Asher said, it's a misdirect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not exactly a misdirect, but it's like, look over here, shiny bad guy. Right. We got to keep war. Mm-hmm. But but really, that doesn't work without the guy, the yeah, people yeah. on yeah. the inside. Meanwhile, we need to keep my buddy who makes the war machine exactly right paid, and we need to keep the people who like run the jails for the people who don't want to go to the war machine employed. Also, we don't know like how he lost that eye yeah like you know what i mean like you don't know we don't even know if he did lose the eye he could just be wearing a patch (laughs) for sure but you know what i mean like he could have some trauma that was inflicted by humans like you know what i mean it's like it's 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 fun to think about that stuff and i like that the movie is good enough that there's like i always love a movie that's good enough that you could project some backstory onto it i always feel like that's Mm -hmm. that's a testament to like okay there's enough characterization here that I can imagine like a world for this person outside of the movie, uh, which isn't something you're going to get with like, I don't know, like dude, where's my car or yeah. that kind of thing where you're Wait, just like, <laughs> you know, what is on screen is all that it is. Yeah. You know, my Shakespeare professor do, in college once. You want to do dude? Where's my car? Can we do yeah, that next well, time? Dude, yeah, I've actually Adam, never seen it. It was like this. I was trying to think like, what's a bad thing? No, that's a good example. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. My Shakespeare professor in college once said he was like the, the greatest plays open before the curtain and close long after you left the theater. Right. And I was like, more importantly, that second one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, I guess we're about to do endorsements, so I might as well go into it now. You want to endorse? Yeah. Uh, I saw it a while back, the band's visit. Oh, yeah. Which is actually like, it was very effective at having this conversation Mm. about like, how do people from cultures which hate each other, like for generations, um, and particularly in a context where the people we're looking at are not particularly well mm-hmm. versed in the different ways that you might combat or confront, you know, cultural MDs or whatever. Yeah. Um, how do they see each other as people? How does that happen? Mm-hmm. How does that come to happen? Right? Yeah. So it's like two people brought together and they're just humans and they have, they form this rela- relationship between each other. And it, so it's sort of not too heavy handed where like in the same way I liked seeing Kirk's journey through understanding his prejudice, you, you get a bit of that in, in the band's visit because they're like seeing how, you know, they talk about whatever is, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's, first of all, they don't go into it too deeply. And secondly, it's very fraught yeah. topic, but 
the way it's approached in the play is really nice where it's like really just a play about people from different cultures right. meeting and, and communicating and seeing mm-hmm. eye to eye and forming bonds. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that that's probably the most effective way we can alter like cultural norms is right. by seeing stories like that mm-hmm. where somebody grows and understands that their preconceptions were wrong. Yes. Yeah. I think that's like, all you can ask of anyone. I think it's like right. when we we did this exercise uh, last time I was here where you were like, well, if you could go back in time or if you could, yeah. And I was like, I can't, I'm not smart enough or powerful enough to like go, you know, convince Henry Kissinger not to be a war criminal. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but you could just kill him. Well, I, but I'm not going to kill anybody. It's just not my nature. So sure. I would rather try to make myself a better human being. Like, you know, it's just like, that's, that would be a huge project. And I feel like it would take a lot of me like convincing myself that it's like, don't worry, like you will meet girls eventually. Like that would be like several days of me, like it's gonna be fine. But I feel like, yeah, I, I think, um, whatever. I Yeah, I, not that this movie necessarily has me leaving and being like, I'm gonna like be a better person. But I, you know, I think that's a good, uh, good message to get across in some form. Yeah, um, I mean, it is the journey of most of the characters, yeah. right? They yeah, do that's all true. end up understanding that they were wrong. Yes. Yeah. And they make it explicit. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So that's my endorsement, I guess. Uh, being a better person. <laughs> Self-examination. And, and, yeah, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, the, the Full Frontal with Samantha B Show. It's on Wednesdays at 10.30, I think. 10 or 10.30. I'm not really... I DVR it, so I actually don't remember it. But it's on YouTube. It's it's lots of places. Um, it's airing on YouTube at all the time, all the time. And then, um, yeah. And my personal website is, uh, the Adam Howard project and it's got all of my writing artwork, uh, links to all my pieces that I work on all of that stuff. So check that out. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Actually I'll say that the conversation that we had the last time about going back in time, I felt like your contribution to that was like a challenge to me to be a better person. Yeah. I, was just like, I was like, wow, I didn't realize what a we all look. I'm, I, I, I have, I, I'm on a lot of meds and I go to a lot of therapy and I am not a perfect person. And it's like, I'm telling myself this out loud as much as I'm telling your listening audience. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's, I, I'm, I'm right on the same page. That's yeah. been my takeaway. All you can really hope to do is be better than you were before that yeah. moment. And like, and the thing is that if, if people stop thinking about like, you know, how right am I? And started thinking mm-hmm. about how could I be, how could I think about this differently and be more right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's the whole battle yeah, essentially like, in my mind. Yeah. I, it, this is again, I, we definitely have to wrap up, but I will say this is like a funny thing that came up for me. Cause the, the first time I was ever on television, you know, I, no one teaches you like, this is how you're supposed to do it. And it's weird and strange. And you're normally just talking to nothing. And I remember my boss at the time was like, you did great. But like my one, you know, cause I was asking her like, what could I do better? And she was like, the one thing is you too often were sort of like, well, I think, or this is just my opinion. And you just have to say things as if it's like definitively a thing. No. Yeah. And, and, and I get it for the purposes of television. Yeah. They, it just, it's smoother if you're just saying things as like, this is just a fact, but it's so not my natural way to present a thought. Like I'm just constantly like, and not even in an insecure thing, it's just knowing that more often than not, 
there's going to be a differing opinion in a room. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? So that's what's happened to truth. It's counterintuitive yeah. to discourse. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to have discourse, you need modifiers. You need right. to say, oh, right. I, in my humble opinion, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, or no, jump no. in. No, but, but especially now yeah. when everything is, is, is more complex and fluid than, you know, we were, we were gifted a very like simplistic, childhood where things were much clearly delineated and now it's just not the case is that a gift though i mean i guess that's kind of my point is i think yeah. that actually turns out to be it a doesn't curse. yes when you, <laughs> yeah. when you become more self-aware it's a cur- but i think yeah. during the when you're a kid sure it, you know it just makes everything easier mm-hmm. and you know i had a lot of naive prejudices because like i just didn't know anything about a lot of things mm-hmm. and it was sort of not no one was ever calling me out on it and i never faced any reason to second guess it it was like this is how it is and cool um you know but anyways uh yeah we should shut up um all right oh yeah and and my band ravens and chimes has a new album out it's up on spotify now the empty house it's our third record i think it'll be our i mean foreseeable future last record i got a solo album going into pre-production now but uh yeah you can go check that out now and if you're in new york i feel like this episode will air after we play but we got a release show at the Mercury Lounge on April 23rd. Oh, Sophie's um, birthday. Yeah. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. Sam? Oh, I have to say it out loud. Yeah. I'm at Case of Piles. Um, I'm at AT underscore Howard. And you can follow the show at Robot House Pod. Um, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Seriously, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs>